This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by Eventide Investments. They believe that investing is more than just returns. It's an opportunity to partner with companies that align with your values and are making a positive difference in the world. Learn more at eventideinvestments.com. If you think of your finances in terms of stewardship and that God is the rightful owner of all things, you're not wrong. Hi, I'm Rob West. As his stewards, God gives us resources to manage according to his principles and purposes. But God has entrusted to us much more than money and possessions. I'll talk about that today with Jason Meyer, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, our guest, Jason Meyer, is executive director of the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing, an educational initiative of Eventide Asset Management, and an underwriter of this program. Jason, it's always great to have you with us. Hey, Rob. Pleasure's all mine. Jason, it's so easy to forget that we're stewards and what that actually means. So what is your definition and why is it so difficult, do you believe, Jason, for some believers to grasp this concept? Yeah, yeah, no, huge concept. So for me, in my own words, I would say that stewardship is the idea that nothing in our possession is actually ours. Instead, God is the rightful owner of all things. And there's a lot of verses that that I think put this clearly, but my favorite is Psalm 24, verse 1, which says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And uh, the Hebrew there for everything is, uh, I believe, everything. (laughs) And so so this makes sense, right? Because God is the creator of all things. Therefore, he is the owner, the rightful owner of all things. And so stewardship is a way of seeing the things that are in our possession as actually belonging to God. Hmm. And the things in our possession are really God's things, and that He's simply entrusted them to us. We are, you could say, managers of God's things, or stewards of God's things. And I think the reason this is so important for us is that it can really free us from a lot of the innate selfishness and acquisitiveness that is so endemic to our lives after the fall. I mean, all of us, you know, are prone to grasp after things and to hold on to them very tightly. But with this stewardship mentality, it can help us be more content with the things that we have and even open our hands uh, toward others in generosity to those that have needs. And so stewardship can be this liberating power in our lives over money, which can be such a powerful force And when we live in that freedom, I also think that we're kind of putting on display God's power in our lives and the reality of God and His kingdom. Yeah, boy, I love that picture. And clearly, stewardship then can transform our vision and our lives. But uh, you make the point, Jason, that many times our vision of stewardship is perhaps too small. Uh, Explain that. Yeah, I think in practice, we tend to see stewardship kind of like the following way. So we'll ask ourselves, you know, what has God entrusted to us? So what has God entrusted to me, Jason Meyer? What has God entrusted to you, Rob West? And then what we do is we take stock of the stuff in our lives, our money and possessions. We say, oh, I've got this much money in the bank, and I have 
a house, I have a couple of cars, I have some investments, et cetera, et cetera. And so we tend to understand stewardship in terms of these specific things that God has placed into our hands, into our immediate possession. And all of that is legit. It's valid. God has entrusted us with these things. Right. But I would call that stewardship with a lowercase s or a small s, stewardship over the things in our immediate possession. Biblically, there is a much bigger sense of stewardship that I think we have to come to see and understand, and I call that stewardship with a capital S. Wow. All right. Well, give us a preview. We've got just about 45 seconds until our break when we can unpack this more fully, but what is that bigger stewardship? Yeah, this is, the, this is what I would call the mind-expanding stewardship, and it's simply that God has actually entrusted to us, to humanity, stewardship over His entire creation. Mm. So we're stewards not only over these specific things that are in our lives that we can place our hands on or have access to, God has actually entrusted His entire creation to our, our, our stewardship. Yeah. And we can actually see this larger sense of stewardship right in the beginning of the Bible, in the first chapter of Genesis. Oh, that's powerful. Well, we're going to unpack that. What does Genesis actually say? What is this larger sense of stewardship? And what does that actually mean for us? And how does that apply to our investing? All of that and more coming up with Jason Meyer. Jason is director of the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing. And we're talking about a bigger vision of stewardship today. Much more just around the corner. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com and the FaithFi app. You'll find powerful wisdom, free podcasts, articles, videos, and more from leading voices such as Randy Alcorn, Howard Dayton, Ron Blue, and our own Rob West. Grow in wisdom and knowledge by connecting with a community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards at faithfi.com or by downloading the FaithFi app. What if buying groceries, gas, or dining out could help change lives? With Christian Community Credit Union's Cards That Give to Missions, you can help spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children with every purchase at no cost to you. Apply for your card today. More information is available at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. The Credit Union is an underwriter of this ministry. Membership eligibility required. So thankful to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Joining me today, my good friend Jason Meyer. He's executive director of the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing, an educational initiative of Eventide Asset Management, and an underwriter of this program. And we've been talking about perhaps a bigger vision of stewardship. Uh, Just before the break, Jason was sharing with us that, yes, we're stewards of everything that God has created. And that small s stewardship is perhaps what you might typically think about. Uh, You are a steward of your car and your house, and maybe you have a 401k, but what about a bigger vision? Maybe that capital S stewardship. If God has entrusted to us stewardship of his entire creation, what does that mean for us? And Jason, you were saying we can really see this come to life in the book of Genesis. I'd love for you to unpack this idea for us. Yeah, yeah, sure. So in Genesis chapter 1, when God creates humanity in his image, he immediately commissions them to be his royal stewards 
and to steward everything he made. So in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, it says, let them, humanity, rule. Let them reign. Let them have dominion. And in verse 28, and subdue the earth. This is stewardship language. And so if we go back to the stewardship question that we tend to ask ourselves, what has God put into my hands? What has God entrusted to me, Jason Meyer, or to Rob West? In addition to the things in our immediate possession that we think about, you know, our bank accounts and 401k and whatnot, we also have under our stewardship, biblically speaking, in the language of Genesis 1, the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. God made all things and then made us the royal stewards over all of those things. This is stewardship in the capital S sense. Wow. Yeah. And I can see where it's easy to miss this larger sense of stewardship and actually, in some cases, maybe difficult to even believe, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think we we probably hear that list of animals and think, what kind of stewardship do I exercise here? I find a very helpful place to go to understand this is actually in the Psalms again, and we're going to listen to King David. So King David found it hard to believe this big sense of stewardship. So we're in good company. He was the man after God's own heart. He struggled yes. to believe it. So in Psalm 8, we read about David really trying to grasp this and to wrap his mind around this bigger vision of stewardship. So I want you to listen to what he says. He says, quote, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the heavenly court and crowned them with glory and honor. Now, listen to this. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. So what are the works of his hands? The heavens and the earth. You put everything under their feet. This is a way of saying the the earth is our footstool. God has put under our care everything that he's made. So remember what we heard about Psalm 24 earlier. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. Now combine that with what David's saying here in Psalm 8. You've made humanity rulers over the works of your hands, and you've put everything under our feet. You see, God owns it all, yes, but God also entrusted it all to us, his royal stewards. So this is stewardship, that, uh, in my opinion, is the capital S. Yeah, that's powerful and an enormous responsibility and, frankly, opportunity. So uh, let's begin to apply this way of thinking, Jason, then to our lives. And let's do that in the area of investing. How do we apply these two ways of seeing stewardship in our investing decisions? Just like we're, we're kind of prone to seeing stewardship in the smaller sense, in the sense of just what's in our immediate possession, um, we're also prone to seeing investing in kind of a smaller sense, and that there's actually two levels to stewardship, as we've been discussing, and there are also two levels to investing. So hmm. one level of investing is about seeking a good return, and that's okay. probably for most of us the part of investing we're used to thinking about, right? Investing to get a return. On another level, however, investing involves our supply of capital that supports a business. Mm. We're actually investing in such a way that it supports a business. Our capital enlarges the work of the businesses we invest in. We amplify their activities and what they're doing in the world. And so we can see that there are these two levels of stewardship and two levels to investing, and these correspond to one another. So let me explain. With the smaller sense of stewardship, we understand that God has put these specific dollars in our care, right? This is smaller stewardship, and we have to be wise. We have to seek to generate a good return on investing through prudent risk-taking. 
Sure. With the larger sense of stewardship, we understand that God has put the entire creation in our care, and we have to be wise, right? We have to seek to enlarge the beauty, the goodness, the provision, the flourishing of the entire creation with every decision that we make. That's what it means to have this larger sense of stewardship. And so, in addition to seeking a good financial return, we actually have to seek to generate, so to speak, a good return on God's creation, such that the world is made more abundant and even more the place of delight that he created it to be. And so we have to be attentive to the kinds of companies we're investing in, right? And the impact of those companies on the world, on creation, through everything that business does, through their products as well as their practices. And so you can see in operation these two levels of stewardship and these two sides of investing, hopefully. I have a good friend who's a kingdom advisor. I know you know him, Rob. Uh, so Lauren Graham out in Spokane, mm-hmm. Washington. And he sure. says, good stewardship in investing is a two-sided coin. So I think this is helpful. He says, on one side, it's about seeking to get a good return on God's money. So that's stewardship, small s. Yep. And on the other side, it's about what we're investing in and seeking to get a good return on God's good creation, stewardship in the capital S sense. We are stewards over both of these, these things, right? What God has put into our hands as well as the entire creation. And, and they have to work together. We can't sacrifice the one for the other. Mm. This is powerful, Jason, because you're calling us to a bigger vision of stewardship, almost elevating our sights into our role and opportunity to care for and uh, really propel God's creation forward. Uh, What does this look like in terms of the day-to-day investments if folks want to lean into this? Right. I can imagine maybe some folks listening to this and thinking like, oh my word, I have been thinking about how to be wise with optimizing around the risks I'm taking in investing and and seeking to get an attractive rate of return, I am not really thinking about stewardship capital S and how my capital, when I invest it, is going to support businesses and is actually reshaping God's creation for good or for ill. So how do I begin to go down that pathway? Well, the good news is you do not have to dive in and become this insane analyst, researcher of every business that's out there that you're investing in, there's a whole industry of Christian faith-based investments that has been raised up to really help the church pay attention to both kinds of stewardship, the, the return side as well as, as the impact on creation side. And the term is faith-based investing. And so what I've done, if you're looking for some information on this, I just put together a list of all of the faith-based funds that I know about. Um, we've done this at the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing, and you can download it. So if you're interested in getting this as a listener, you can go to faithandinvesting.com slash faithfi. That's faithfi. So faithandinvesting.com slash faithfi. In, in exchange for email, you'll get a download of uh, just all of these different funds that are out there. That is powerful. Jason, so appreciate you calling us to a higher vision of our stewardship. Thanks for stopping by, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Rob. All right. That's Jason Meyer. Download this today at faithandinvesting.com slash faithfund. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. 
Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. Hey, Greg, I need some advice. Oh, what's up? I'm really struggling with finding ways to cut back. With costs going up, especially in healthcare, what do you guys do? Oh, uh, we use CHM, Christian Healthcare Ministries. It's a health cost sharing ministry that's been sharing members' eligible medical bills for over 40 years. Sure helped us stick to our budget. Hmm. And here's the website chministries.org. chministries.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host. All right, let's head right back to the phones. By the way, we've got a couple of lines open, 800-525-7000. Sally's calling from Lake Worth. And Sally, I understand you have a testimony to share, perhaps an update on your story from when you called in previously. Go right ahead. Thanks, Rob. Uh, Yeah, you did invite me to uh, follow up. And so that's what I'm doing. And uh, my youngest daughter, I quite a few kids, uh, delivered her first last year. What I did is, um, with this particular offspring, I did set up through my money manager, um, a trust and uh, for his college. Uh, and I deposited $10,000 with, uh, a certain amount of money taken out, uh, every month, um, until I stopped that. And you let us know so wisely that in my will, I will put down for my other children uh, that uh, the my whatever is left over um, monetarily of my life is uh, not equal, but fair. Mm, and yeah. I felt so liberated uh, just repeating that, even putting it down in writing, and it's it's going to be just good. All of it's mm. good. I love That's that it. you called in with that story, Sally. You know, this comes back to this principle that Ron Bloom, one of my mentors, the author, says in Splitting Heirs, his book, which is, if you love your children equally, you will treat them uniquely. And the idea is that we think there's something, especially as Americans, that we just have to divide everything equally, that we're not being fair if we don't, uh, you know, treat everybody exactly the same when it comes to our kids and the things that we give them and so forth. And, and some respects, there's probably some merit to that. And in others, we need to recognize, especially within a, a financial inheritance, that they're all on different journeys. They're at different places spiritually. They're at different places in terms of their financial needs. Uh, they're in, in different places in a whole variety of, of areas. And that can result or should result in us evaluating each child to say, what's the best thing and the worst thing that could happen if I leave this amount to this particular child and really pray and think through that? And it may change 
change over time. But that principle that Ron shares, I think, is one that has been so helpful for so many people who have felt that in their hearts and yet just sense that, well, I can't do that. And yet it's liberating, as you said, to know that, no, that that's okay. And um, I need to make decisions based on how the Lord is leading me to leave these assets, and it may not be exactly the same for each child. And that's okay, because I'm the steward of God's resources. So, Sally, uh, we appreciate you calling back today and sharing that update. Uh, what a great testimony. To Uniontown, Ohio. Hi, Sherry. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have a question about my mom. Um, she she has early onset dementia, and I have power of attorney for her. Okay. Um, she's still in pretty good shape and understands just about everything. She just gets kind of confused. Um, she and my dad were married for 22 years and then they got a divorce and, um, they, social security has told her that she doesn't qualify for any of his benefits. And I'm not really sure why that would be. I wondered if you might have some insight into that. And I, I'm just hesitant to call them because I don't know what I need to give them as far as power of attorney. I don't know how much they're willing to tell me, um, but everything I've done online researching, I'm seeing it looks like she should qualify for some of those benefits because what she getting what she's getting now is very minimal because she stayed at home most of the years. Okay, yeah. Uh, very good. Well, it certainly would be worth looking into because there are some very clear rules around, um, you know, eligibility for spousal benefits. I mean, in general, uh, you know, if you were uh, married, divorced, or widowed, and your spouse was eligible for benefits, then uh, it's likely you would qualify. You have to have been married for at least one year, and uh, your spouse uh, must also have begun receiving social security benefits unless you're widowed. And in the latter case, you may be able to receive still the full amount of your late spouse's benefits as opposed to the spousal benefit, assuming theirs is higher. Um, and even with an ex-spouse, as long as the uh, you know fam- the marriage lasted 10 years and uh, you were divorced from the spouse for at least two consecutive years and are unmarried, you would be able to claim the spousal benefit. So um, was there any reason given as to why she doesn't qualify for that? I, I asked her, but it was quite a long time ago, and I, I don't think that she even really understood what they were saying. So, um, like I said, she's got dementia, so I'm just not getting a clear answer from her. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I would definitely contact uh, Social Security and just let them know uh, what's going on in terms of her uh, mental capacity um, and and see if you, you know, what it would take for you to be able to uh, talk to them on her behalf. They have a, a form that you would have to file where you become a representative uh, of that individual. It's a standard form you can get from their website. Um, and, and that's what's going to be important for you to be able to then engage with them on her behalf. Um, and, you know, you can then set up an appointment with the Social Security to go over uh, the details. Uh, because, you know, obviously, if there's money that should be coming to her, you want to get, you know, full access to that. So I would start going down that road for you to be able to act as her representative before the Social Security office uh, so you can get to the bottom of this. Okay. And would that have any um, impact that my dad has remarried? 
No, uh, it shouldn't. No, as long as your your mom hasn't remarried uh, and they were married for at least 10 years, uh, the his remarriage wouldn't have any bearing on whether she'd have access to a spousal benefit. Okay, and um, would that lower his benefit at all? No, it has no effect on his benefit whatsoever. She's entitled to that spousal benefit completely separate. Okay, all right, thank you. Um, okay. Do I have time to ask one more question, or is it the next person? Uh, yeah, I've got uh, a few more seconds. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, um, she has a car that we are keeping in her name. She's in independent living. Um, she doesn't drive anymore. I am actually driving her car, and she signed it over to me as transfer on death. Technically, the car belongs to her, and I'm not sure if she goes on Medicaid at some point, if they are going to want the car. Oh, I see. Uh, so she's not on Medicaid right now. Is that right? No. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So there is an asset limit uh, on that. It's $2,000 for a single person, uh, typically, and 3000 for a couple. It does vary by state, so you'll need to look into that. Uh, and see for your state what that uh, is. Uh, So I would probably contact an elder care attorney just to get the details on that. And you could get a referral from a certified kingdom advisor in your area. Just go to our website, faithfi.com, find a CKA and ask for a referral to an elder care attorney who can help you answer these questions. Thanks for your call, Sherry. I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.